This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who's interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning. But we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in head first, then let's do it. Coming up in this week's episode, we talk about US inflation and how that affects the crypto market. We look at decentralized exchange Uniswap, and we talk about a woman who capitalized on an exchange by a crypto exchange and pocketed herself $10 million. Let's cover that one shortly. My name's Tracy, and this week it's just Craig and myself bringing you the biggest news in crypto land. Craig, how are you feeling? Because you haven't been well. You, you back on the mend? Well, like the crypto markets, Tracy, I've been down and out for the last few (laughs) weeks, but I am recovering. Hopefully, the crypto market does as well. All right. We might get a few coughs and splutters on the uh, podcast, so bear with us, everybody. Maybe. Maybe. Look, since we recorded last week, there's been a bit of volatility in the crypto markets, and we're going to talk about now what exactly has caused that volatility. So let's have a little look back on the last seven days. And firstly, Jerome Powell gave his annual Jackson Hole speech and what normally would have been a 30-minute speech ended in just eight minutes. Today, my remarks will be shorter, my focus narrower, and my message more direct. So old buddy Powell was short and sweet. And Craig, you're going to give us a bit of a impersonation of Powell. Give us the abridged version. Tell us what he was talking about in that eight minutes. Well, firstly, no one even heard of this guy before COVID. So this guy's fame shot up when everyone started printing money. But pretty much um, he works at the Federal Reserve and the Fed said that they will continue to raise interest rates to try to bring inflation back under control. He warns that a more pain is coming for households and businesses, which probably means that the cost of goods will continue to go up, petrol, um, groceries, etc., Um, What this means is that there is a big meeting, open market committee meeting in September where the Fed will announce the interest rate hikes. He's pretty much giving a warning that there are going to be big, so people Mm, are bracing themselves for that, I think. Yep, so it was priced in, so everyone had a bit of a freak out, which caused the market to to dive a little. And after that dose of reality from Mr. Powell, the S&P did nosedive, uh, as did the NASDAQ, and both of those dropped. So S&P dropped 3.5% on that news, and the NASDAQ dropped 4%. So in effect, that was $1.25 trillion that was lost in total US equities. Yeah, and that's actually more than the entire crypto market combined. So what he says seems to matter. Yeah, well, everyone's on the pulse and then it turns into a cascading effect. But actually is bad news for crypto too, Trace, because we are 
super correlated to stocks too. And the correlation that we always talk about is at an all-time high. So we are moving exactly in tandem with traditional markets and that doesn't seem to be changing. And we're hoping that one day that does change because that's that's the end goal. But at the moment, like you said, we're pr- still pretty much in tandem. So to top off that really great news for a few days. Uh, a lot of people in the market got a little bit spooked when they thought that the exchange Mt. Gox would start returning that 140,000 Bitcoin to its users. So I don't know why that, that people thought that, but somewhere along the line there was a bit of news. So that was a big spook for everybody. That also caused a major sell-off, Craig. Turned out to be fake news though. And according to the creditor, Mt. Gox hasn't set a date to return the funds. So how is this going to work, Trace? Like, I thought the funds were stolen. Yeah, but the funds were stolen, but they've said that they're returning them all and they've got a fund ready to go. And it's, you know, like anything with uh, legal ramifications, it takes time. That's actually crazy, though, if they return them all. Like, what's going to happen after that? I don't know. Do you reckon everyone will say, what would you do? Because that's some big ROI for some of these people. Yeah, it is great. I mean, it depends. It's going to be depending on the individual and how much you've got. Me personally, again, it would depend on how much I've got. I'd probably pocket a bit of cash and then keep some as well. But you've got to remember, these guys are the OGs. These are the ones who were into Bitcoin with Mt. Gox in the very early days. So I would assume that they are, you know, Bitcoin fanatics. They understand, you know, what we're all on about here and a few of them will be dead set hodlers. So not bad for not bad for a forced hodl though, isn't it? <laughs> it's a forced hodl. Probably one of the best things that could have happened to them in hindsight. That's what they said. The best way to make a return on Bitcoin was buy in 2011 and just go MIA for 10 years because you would have paper handed it for sure. (laughs) Or get embroiled in the Mt. Gox hack. But look, as you said, we don't need to stress for that right now. They've said that when the funds do get returned, it's going to be in tranches and it's not going to be all at once. So let's not stress there. Moving on, some news from the OG Dex Uniswap is up next. And for those who are still getting their heads around crypto jargon, what I'm talking about there is the original decentralised exchange. So that was the uh, the first one that I did any kind of decentralised exchanging on was good old Uniswap. It's the first of its kind and it's a place where you can swap crypto coins for any other. So Craig, you want to tell us a little bit more about what's going on with the pink unicorn? Well, I believe it was the first ever airdrop that me and you got. Is that yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good one. So back in the day, back in the day, 2020 years ago, <laughs> um, Uniswap was the first sort of decentralized exchange. There was a few before it, but the first one that really gained market share. They didn't have a token and they gave all the early adopters 400 Uniswap, which from memory, I sold it to buy a PS5. It was worth about three grand at the time. Now I um, I sold it to buy a bike. Just there you go. Did you? Yeah. No, I didn't sell all of it. It was half. I was like, I'm gonna. I think mine. I think I didn't realise I'd got it for a while. And then when I looked in there, it was worth like two or three grand. Yeah. So I took some out. I bought a bike. Left some in. There you go. But at the peak, it was like forty bucks, which would have been sixteen grand for an airdrop. Madness. Nevertheless, it is huge. Seventy percent market share for Dex on Ethereum. So seventy percent of all volumes going through Uniswap. One trillion of all-time cumulative volume, which is pretty impressive, the most out of anyone. A billion dollars in fees generated for liquidity providers over the past year, sometimes even generates more than Ethereum, Trace. Yeah, that's huge. That's, That's massive. And there's two big moves that are being made here by Uniswap. And we'll get into these because one one of these I do get and one of these I'm unsure of. So I need a bit more clarity so we can kind of talk this out. But there's a creation of a Uniswap foundation. So what what exactly is this, Craig? This is pretty simple. It's a a proposal for a fund pretty much that's going to support open source development 
on the Uniswap platform. So it'd be about 74 million bucks, which will fund R&D and more projects that want to help grow Uniswaps. This is pretty common. Binance do it. FTX do it. It's actually pretty surprising it's taken them this long. With the second thing that they propose is pretty interesting, Chase. Yeah, this one is interesting. So it's a fee switch. So voting to turn the fee switch on is what they're talking about. From what I understand, Uniswitch has been you know, a money-making machine for liquidity providers, but Uniswap itself doesn't actually make any money from those fees and it's all because the Uniswitch fee switch hasn't been turned Unis- on. Uniswap fee Un- switch? Uniswap fee switch. Okay, let's say it 10 times. Uniswap fee switch. So the Uniswap DAO members are voting on a proposal to flip this switch and it would give them 10% cut of those liquidity provider fees from three pools. So I think it's F. Um, DAI, FUSDT and FUSDC. So, you know, this switch, if turned on, would be active for 120 days and after that there'd be a vote on whether they'd keep it on or not. But from what I understand, this is going to make them, you know, a bit of cash, correct? Yes, you're right. But I'm going to explain this again. So right now, only the liquidity providers are making fees, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the average Joe like me and you, Tracy, that might hold Uniswap because we believe in the platform we're essentially getting nada. So this whole proposal is saying, okay, if you buy and hold Uniswap, you should be entitled to some of the platform fees, which means the liquidity providers will have to give up 10% of their fees in those three pools. Now, this is super interesting because they've made, if the fees were turned on, they would have made $5 million in four months. And if it passes, that means that Uniswap holders will now be earning, I'm guessing, the Uniswap token in rewards. Mm-hmm. And that brings a whole new proposition to buying Uniswap right now. So has there been a Uniswap pump? Like this is this is good news for uni holders. Yeah, so Unis- Uniswap's been like pretty steady in the whole crash and it's been mm. like pretty strong. And, you know, I always wonder like, do you hold off on this news until the market's good? Do you know what I mean? Or do you launch it now? It just doesn't matter. No, I, think, I think good companies just keep going, building out what they're doing. And, you know, you've got a roadmap, you stick to it, you know, head down, head down, bum up type thing. But if this passes, it's essentially like a dividend, really, in terms Mm. of traditional share market. And I'll be seriously considering getting a cheeky, a cheeky bag of Uniswap. You, Chase? I I thought you already had. Uni's always been on my list. I'm a big, big fan of uni. They they really are always trying to keep ahead of the pack because it was only in June that the company introduced its acquisition of Genie, you know, an NFT marketplace aggregation platform. I think these guys are really pushing forward, trying to keep ahead of the curve. Like you mentioned earlier that, you know, Binance and FTX were already doing it, you know, and these guys are, you know, pushing up behind and they're the decentralised uh, version. So I will always back uni as the decentralized option. So good call. Of course, that is my own opinion and Craig's own opinion, but you guys need to do your own research before you go out and invest in any of these platforms. And with that, let's take a break there. And when we come back, we'll get out the paintbrushes as we continue to Bob Ross, a pretty bleak picture on the NFT space. Welcome back to the Crypto Curious Podcast. I'm including this next story here because I wanted to have a conversation with you, Craig, about this. And it doesn't really paint a great picture of the crypto market or the NFTs at the moment, but that's why I wanted to have this conversation. It's about a failing NFT project called Ragnarok Meta. Now, they successfully raised 
15.5 million back in April with the promise of building the first Web3 multiplayer online role-playing game uh, on the Avalanche blockchain. Now, since then, they've spent 6.9 million paying themselves. They've lost a further 1.8 million attempting to trade done by the CEO apparently. And they've also spent 1.9 million on outsourcing all of their work. So yeah, basically they've spent a lot of money buying back their own NFTs as well. What are your thoughts on this, Craig? Because me personally, I feel that this is, you know, pretty negligent here. I understand that there's a lot of issues uh, with startups in the startup space. Believe me, I know that here at Bamboo, we're living through some issues now. But this is a lot of cash over only four or five months. CEO paying himself 1.2 million, I believe. What do you think here? Doesn't look good for Avalanche, I think. Mm. And it really reminds me of last year when Solana NFTs were going off. And this happened quite often with Solana NFTs. They'll do a Solana, you know, NFT launch. People would pretty much take the money and run. Now, how did they mitigate it? They pretty much this made is, this people is a project. K- yeah, well, they pretty much made people KYC and gave them an, a, a credential on Magic Eden, so this wouldn't mm. happen again. But doesn't look good for Avalanche at all. And I think the Avalanche token even got a bit affected by this as well. But in saying that, Avalanche have got no control over this private entity that are running this particular NFT project. That's true, but they could also even come up with like Avalanche accredited, you know, Mm. where they meet the founders, bit of KYC, bit of DD. That means investors can feel a little bit confident. Is that done on Solana, do you think? It is on Magic Eden and NFT projects, but in saying that, like how many Ethereum rugs happen as well? I just it comes down to the investor. Like this is really is the wild, wild west still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you know you're not sure, don't do it. And if actually this isn't financial advice, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is take all this with a grain of salt with these promises that these Web three startups pitch. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this leads into the next news piece that we're going to talk about, which is the NFT marketplace and open seas. Because last week, Craig, you gave us a bit of a round out on the NFT market and some figures have come out this week from the most popular NFT trading site, OpenSea, which support the facts that we spoke about last week. Trading volume on their site is actually down a staggering 99% in the last four months. So talk about falling off a cliff, Craig. This is madness. Yeah, crazy. Like who, who would have thought that half a million dollars for a board eight wasn't the top, but turns out it was. So on May 1st, bit of context, which is only one day, OpenSea processed a record $2.7 billion in NFT transactions. And on Sunday last Sunday, which was the last Sunday of August, the marketplace recorded just $9.3 million worth in that day. So over the same amount of time, they've lost a third of their users, which isn't that bad, actually, considering oh, the volume. That's a lot of users. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty bad. The volume is low as it was November 2021. Mm. But the only project that's gone up is the Pudgy Penguins. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. I put that as a joke. I knew... <laughs> <laughs> which I ha- which I have sold. There's plenty of projects, plenty of projects that have gone up. He's got to mention his pudgy penguins, but there are a lot of projects that have still fared well, but a majority of them are not doing so well right now. But you know what? There's also we are painting a pretty bleak 
picture of the NFT space in the last few episodes. But there are still some shining lights out there. There are still a lot of projects that are building out and still producing things and just going along with their roadmap and getting things done. But the numbers themselves on on the transactions that are going through, and I know that some of those are bigger ones, their floor prices come right down. But again, it comes to the fact that if you are you know, really solid in your project and you're, you're going to continue to hold, then just hold through the same with your Bitcoin Ethereum. If you love your Budgie Penguin or your, you know, your world of women or whatever you're, or you're holding, then, you know, you're only going to lose it if you sell it. Exactly. I think it is the most risk on asset class and we are in a risk off market. So it doesn't surprise me, but you know, maybe a good time to buy. Not sure. Not financial advice. No, I think just, um, yeah, I think there could be a, a little way to go to go down. So I think we just wait and see. And on that, we'll move on to today's short, sharp news bite for the week. And as I look and think here, we we need a section just for these bored apes because there's so much news that dropped on this brand this week. Love them or hate them, and I'm on the fence with these guys. Let's go through some Bored Ape news to start us off. Craig, what, what's happened here with these guys? It's pretty cringe, but Eminem and Snoop Dogg performed as Bored Apes in a Metaverse concert and their, their Bored Apes are like rapping and dancing. Did you see the video, Trace? Yeah, I did. It's pretty big because this is part of the MTV um, VMA Awards. And I'm here to stay. My reign's so definite. My longevity needs a hearing aid. Still wearing hangs, t-shirts out embodied some features with legendary names. Was there when Drake turned the chronic to monetary gain? It was completely cringeworthy, you're right. It's a bit naff, but still huge audience. Rolling on from that, more board eight news. There is a web series that parodies real uh, reality shows. It's called Real Metaverse, and the starring characters are all popular NFT projects, including Board Ape Yacht Club. So that was released this week. More information to come there. Well, amongst a few others as well, because a lot of projects give holders 100% IP rights. Mm-hmm. So I've seen. People make seltzer brands from their board apes. They're yeah. making pudgy penguin toys and now TV shows. So mm. it's interesting. I like it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's certainly bringing more eyes to the space as long as it's done in good taste. What else with board apes is on the go? So the IP of some board apes have partnered with M&M's, M&M's, like the lolly, to drop three board ape themed boxes and the most expensive ones sold for 100 bucks. Who's eating those M&M's? I don't know. Like, this is so in the weeds. I don't know who is buying that, if I'm honest. Well, Bored bored Ape fans, I guess. The Bored Ape community are very loyal, and I think it's M&M's coming to the party. Well, when you spend that much on an NFT, I'd be loyal as well. Yeah, and they're going to keep that box, so... Yeah, interesting stuff. Now, on to our next bit of news, and this was news big in the uh, general media this week. It's pretty funny. An exchange platform that we all know here in Australia because they advertise everywhere, Crypto.com accidentally transferred $10.5 million to a Melbourne woman who was actually requesting a refund of just 100 bucks. She just wanted a 100 buck refund. But it took the company – this is the best bit about this story is – it took the company over like seven months to realise its mistake – so by the time they did realise it, she'd already gone out and bought a house and spent the money. There's no doubt that if you saw that in your account, you would know it shouldn't be there. And the onus is on you then as the recipient to actually call the sender and to say, look, 
that shouldn't have come into my account. The company has won part of its legal battle in Victoria's Supreme Court. A judge ordering a luxury home in Melbourne's north be sold and the money returned. She would have been better off just putting it in a term deposit and, you know, using that seven months to grab some interest and what have you. But I don't get how this didn't fire off, like, three red flags. For Crypto.com? So Crypto.com won, 10 mil gone. <laughs> this lady's bank gets 10 mil, like, no questions asked. Mm. Then she buys a house, probably in cash. No one's asking questions there. <laughs> like, what is going on? The ATO, her doing her tax return. Well, she probably hasn't done a tax return yet. But then here it is, the new laws in Australia. We can't even take $2,000 out the bank with the bank going, uh, can you please tell us what you want that $2,000 for? That's legitimately where we're at right now. Like, how ridiculous. Well, what would you have done, Trace? You know what? I would have given it back. I would have said, look, sorry, guys, you've made an error. <laughs> I've seen people, you would never see me again if it landed in my account. That's actually what my husband said. He said, wouldn't we have just moved to somewhere? And I was like... Where can you move? Belize? We probably could have moved. I mean, look, I'm sure there's plenty of places you can go to. to... Anyway, look, we digress. We all would have done the right thing, I'm sure. Moving on. What's up next, Craig? Yeah, so we spoke about this, feels like a while ago, but Zuck's has just released his NFT feature on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, no, Instagram he did a little while ago, but now he's just done it on, on Facebook. So we mentioned this in May. It's finally rolling out. So Meta will now allow creators and NFT collectors to post their digital property on their social media platforms. The tech company said that it will use public blockchain data to verify which collectible owners and creators hold. So that's 3 billion people getting access to... NFTs yeah. and what they are, which is a pretty big deal. It is. so Probably the winners will be digital artists, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I still wasn't sure when this is actually meant to be rolling out and exactly what it would look like, and I don't don't really care about Facebook, to be honest. But anyway, like you said, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a lot more eyes to the market and people will be able to peacock all of the different NFTs that they've got. So, yeah, fun times. A little bit of news here for Nearpay, a crypto finance protocol is launching a new virtual crypto card and wallet. So it'll be available on iOS and Android and lets people use a virtual debit card to make online uh, buys using crypto. So I thought this was a bit of an interesting one because we've been talking a lot about the crypto cards that a lot are bringing out at the moment, which are in real life, but this is a virtual card. So we'll see how this one plays out from Nearpay. Yeah, pretty Stacked competition. Mm. Um, moving on. So Argentina now supports stable coins as an option for tax payments. Now, I've been to Argentina and the monetary system is pretty shambolic. Sundays, mm. you couldn't get money out. The money is like ripped apart mm. and they've had like hyperinflation. So it's always these countries that tend to onboard crypto and it's good. It's like proper use case. And it's probably the first step to crypto being countrywide there. Yeah. And these are the nice little stories I'd like to see mixed amongst all the board ape rubbish so it's good to hear so reddit co-founder alexis ohanian who is the man behind the great lady serena williams has a venture capital firm uh, 776 has announced plans to raise 178 million for a new crypto focused fund called cryptos which is pretty cool. Now, Serena herself has actually uh, got a, a VC fund and I know that through that fund she's invested in a couple of female-led NFT companies. So both of them are getting behind the the crypto world, which is good to see. But, you know, $178 million is a lot of coin to start off a fund on. So looking forward to seeing how that one goes. And I think that is it for our news this week. Craig and Tracy signing off. Thanks again for listening, folks. As always, we're keen to hear from you via all of our social media platforms and online. 
via the email, which is podcast at getbamboo.io. And please jump into the Facebook community and ask your questions in there as well. It's been great to see everyone in the community talking and helping each other out in there. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. See you guys. See you later. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.